Hello and welcome back to Transition to Hope. I'm Albert Spaulding. Today we're, we're, going to, we're going to be looking at part two of our three-part interview with Eric Johnson, author of Introducing Christianity to Mormons. In part one, we looked at some of the basic concepts of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, some of the basic doctrines that are there, and we compared them to a, a much different uh, approach as seen in the Bible. Uh, in particular, we looked at the idea of creation, and we looked at the idea of the fall. And today, we're going to be moving from the fall to the idea of redemption and eventually glorification. In the next episode, part three, we'll, talk, we'll finish up talking about glorification, and we'll be talking about just the interaction between New Testament Bible-believing Christians and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome. Even though the idea of family uh, rises to a very high level, the idea of a personal exaltation rises to a very high level within Mormonism, uh, the, the idea or the person, the name, I should say, of Jesus Christ is very much highlighted. I had a, a chance to tour uh, the Washington, D.C., uh, temple when it was refurbished recently. And I saw pictures of Jesus Christ all over. Uh, I've been to a Deseret bookstore, which is this church owned bookstore. Mm -hmm. And um, again, the, the inventory of pictures of Jesus is amazing. They, they just have all, all kinds of pictures of Jesus. And I know that uh, in recent years, especially uh, the, the idea of, of questioning the, the, the LDS church's view of Jesus is, is responded to with, well, it's in the name of our church. Obviously, we, we hold Jesus to a very high degree. And yet, I don't really, I'm not sure I fully understand the idea of redemption uh, within the LDS church. In, in, the, in the biblical understanding of redemption, Jesus paid it all, uh, uh, and all to him we owe, as the, as the hymn says. Um, there's nothing that I can do. Uh, it's, it's been paid at the cross. When I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, uh, then my sin is dealt with at the cross. Um, but as I, as I try to understand redemption from uh, the LDS perspective, it seems to me like um, the idea of Jesus dying and rising from the dead has something to do with kind of like an, an early entry gate. And then after that, we have all of the, the, uh, uh, the, the covenant requirements, the endowments, the, um, uh, the, 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 the uh, word of wisdom, the, the, the purity requirements, uh, all of the various behavioral requirements. And then we have the tokens and, and the secrets that one has to know in order to get to a higher level. And I'm just trying to understand, it, 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 what's the, really the role of Jesus in all this? It sounds to me like Jesus is, is only the first gateway, and then we have to go through a bunch of hurdles uh, to finish the course on our own. Have I got that right, or is there, am I missing? I know Jesus is highlighted in the church name and lots of pictures and, and, and so on. The Christus statue is, is everywhere, but I just don't understand redemption with, uh, by Christ within the LDS context. I have been to a number of temple open house openings. Um, I was just in uh, uh, 
Montana, Helena, Montana. I was in Bentonville, Arkansas, two week open houses. And so we go and we do some evangelism there, but we always go through the temple first. And I take people from local churches. I'll take them through. I don't speak in there, but uh, before I take anybody in, I'll always ask, what do you think you're going to see more of uh, uh, portraits of Joseph Smith or portraits of Jesus? And 99% of the time, oh yeah, Joseph Smith, certainly they're gonna have a lot of, you know, cause that's their assumption. Well, it's wrong. It's eight to one, usually. Usually mm -hmm. the pictures of Joseph Smith are going to be in the baptismal font area, one of the first rooms you go to. The jo uh, Joseph Smith receiving the Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthoods from Peter, James, and John, as well as John the Baptist. Uh, and, and really, for the rest of the tour, you're going to see these portraits of Jesus. So I think the idea is we want you to think that you're going to be doing a lot of things with Jesus in here. And actually, the temple has nothing to do with Jesus. His, he's, he's a minor role character in the video that they have to watch every single time. Satan plays a Lucifer plays a much bigger role. So uh, so now to say that, Albert, I would say I appreciate the fact that. They're wanting to emphasize Jesus more, but you always have to ask the Latter-day Saint, what does he mean when he says redemption or mm -hmm. Jesus is my savior? I think that's a fair question. Instead of telling the Latter-day Saint what you may have learned from my books and studying it from a Christian perspective, well, you believe this, you believe that. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll say, no, I don't believe what you're saying. Now, you, you might not be saying it exactly the way they would like, and so they, they will deny what what, what you're telling them, let them speak for themselves, but having an understanding of what that means. And so what do you mean when you say Jesus is your savior or Jesus is your redeemer, redemption, and let them tell you that. You have to understand though, as you ask that question, there are two types of salvation in the church of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. Latter-day Saints. There's what's called general salvation. General salvation happens to every human being, whoever you are. Uh, I don't even care if you're Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler had work done for him in 1993 and 1994 in the London Temple, out of all places. Somebody went in and did his baptism, got baptized for him, and also sealed him to his mother and to his uh, siblings. So, uh, so there you go. I mean, even Adolf Hitler is going to have a second chance to be able to get to one of three kingdoms of glory. Everybody gets general salvation. And the difference, though, is that is not the same as individual salvation, which is called exaltation or eternal life. Mm. That is reserved for people who keep the commandments. How many of them? All of them. How often? All the time. You ask any Latter-day Saint, they know what the requirements are. They, they believe that repentance helps them to be able to get to that goal. But really, the, the scriptures themselves speak about keep the commandments of God continually. And unless you do, where mm. I am, Jesus says, you cannot come. That's D and C, one of their four scriptures, 25, section 25, verse 15. So throughout, you'll see that idea that you have to basically keep God's commandments. There is in Christianity, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I think that would be the simplest verses to for anybody to memorize that we're saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Very yeah. clearly that works, while they're important. In fact, verse 10 goes on and says, we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Don't forget that verse because they probably will come in with James 2.20, faith without works is dead. And we can agree that faith without works is dead. You don't have a faith Christian and a works Christian. It's a faith works Christian. And that's the way that we believe that works are important. 
but you, you have to you have to understand that in light of second nephi 25 23 which says that we're saved by grace after all we can do ask the question if that verse gets brought up because they all know that verse it's like john 3 16 i guess you would say of, uh, of mormonism say so how much is it possible for you to do does grace not cover you for all your sins past present and future and this is where the stereotype i mentioned earlier comes in oh you must believe that you can go and do whatever you want no read romans 6 and romans 7 paul said shall i keep on sinning that grace may abound in the beginning of romans 6 right by no means god forbid it he says literally is how yep. the, the the greek reads and and so you have to say okay so we're not created to do bad works we're created to have fruit of the spirit but you can only have fruit of the spirit if the spirit is in you if he resides in you and that's what we believe is having a born again experience as biblical christianity teaches so redemption again quite simply uh yes we are we are um given the ability to live in immortality in one of three kingdoms of glory celestial terrestrial telestial are the three kingdoms and even the terrestrials the middle kingdom uh, it, it's supposed to be a glorious place. And most Latter-day Saints I talk to think if they were to die right now, that's where they would end up. They wouldn't mm -hmm. even go to the celestial kingdom because they know they're not doing everything they're supposed to do. Whereas in Christianity, redemption is based on the imputation of what Jesus did on the cross. He said, it is finished. Jesus basically credited each believer with his righteousness, not based on what the individual did, but based on what Jesus did. I like to tell people, being a Christian isn't about what you do, but it's about who you are. Mm. And who you are right. has an effect on what you do. Right. But it's opposite Mormonism because what you do is going to be who you are. Keeping the commandments of God continually is, is crucial in this religion. And that's why when you talk to Latter-day Saints and you ask them if they were to die right now, which kingdom of glory they'd go to, oftentimes they would say, I don't know. If you press them, probably the middle kingdom, the terrestrial yeah. kingdom. And that's because they cannot uh, repeat what 1 John 5 says. In 1 John 5, 13, it says we may know we have eternal life. Well, how can we know that? Because the Bible says we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Right. That uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is where knowing your New Testament is crucial for you as a Christian, but also for you. If you're going to share your faith with Latter-day Saints, you better have a good idea of what the original says. Yeah, that's right. Uh, study the original, not the counterfeit. Well, and, and at the same time, I think you should count, study the counterfeit as well. Secret Service yeah. does that. But you, uh, need to be able, you, you need to be able to detect the counterfeit and see what's being used. At the same right. time, you need to be able to compare that with the original. Right. And if you put those two together... I'm going to tell you right now, Albert, uh, it's impossible for even the smartest Christian to have a successful conversation. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, my, my former professor, um, uh, Ronald Youngblood, he was uh, a, a translator of the NIV. Uh, I studied under him at Bethel Seminary back in the 1980s. And, um, and Youngblood, I'll never forget, it was a prolegomena class, a fancy way to say, and hermeneutics or interpretation. And it was my first class in seminary in 1985. And he went on a trip, he came back and he said, he confessed to the class. He says, I wanna to confess to you gentlemen today, because at that time it was just the like 
filled with about 50 people in this room. He says, uh, I sat next to a Latter-day Saint on my flight over to Washington. And back in those days, they didn't have the TVs on the back of the seats, right? So you, you had to talk, actually. There was nothing yeah. to put into your ears. And so he says, I talked to this Latter-day Saint for uh, three or four hours. And I am ashamed that I kept telling him what I believed and he kept agreeing with everything I said. And I knew that what I was saying wasn't true, that he didn't believe what I believed. And he goes, right. yeah, I believe all of that. And he says, I, I, and he said this uh, so clearly, this is before I ever became involved with Mormonism research ministry, but he says, I'm going to do my research gentlemen. And that will never happen to me again. This is a guy who uh, was top notch scholar. Uh, um, like I say, uh, tell stories about how they translated the NIV. If a guy like Ronald Youngblood was not able to successfully evangelize a Latter-day Saint on a three hour flight, knowing that when he left, the guy was no different in his ideas because he couldn't pin down what the guy yeah. believed. You've got right. to know, you've got to know what you believe. Ronald Youngblood yeah. knew Hebrews backwards and forwards. He was an yeah. expert on a lot of things, but he did not know the counterfeit. And you need to yeah. know, you need to know what those counterfeits are. And that's why I appreciate you sharing the book in your, in your class, because this book is certainly about Christianity, but in there, I'm trying to show you as well what, Mormonism teaches. So we need to be prepared for that. So mm -hmm. we're not just talking to ourselves. We're actually communicating with another person who yeah. happens to have a uh, background in the, the LDS church. And I'm sure it was a, I'm sure it was an enjoyable conversation uh, that, that the professor had. Sure. Um, it's been my experience and I'm sure yours as well, that, uh, that, that having a conversation with a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can often be a very delightful, enjoyable, thought-provoking kind of conversation. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I have had opportunity to have, be very close friends with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as the Community of Christ. And, um, and in Michigan, we have uh, some residual uh, from uh, the the uh, uh, King James, uh, the, the 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 guy who on Beaver Island who became a, a king on the Beaver Island and then got elected to the state legislature here in Michigan, so we're familiar with different variations. But generally, the the experience that that uh, that that I've had is that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are cordial, warm, uh, humble. Uh, and, and that's sometimes why I'm, I'm a little confused because as I try to understand uh, the LDS regime, it seems like it, the end game is self-exaltation. And, and the end game is I read the book of Revelation and in other books of the Bible, the end game is the exaltation of Christ, the glorification Amen. of Christ. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand what glorification looks like, and I'm trying to understand how it is that somebody who seems to be uh, a humble, genuine, warm person is on a pathway that seems to end up the end. The, the end goal seems to be self-exaltation. I'm just a little confused by that. Maybe, maybe there's not something you can sort out for me, but I, but I, but I have experienced that confusion. Well, and I think this is part of the idea in Mormonism when supposedly, well, not supposedly when, when, uh, um, ye shall be as gods, Genesis chapter three and Latter-day Saints believe that Satan was actually telling the truth. 
Yes. And uh, and the idea that he was offering exaltation there, and that was where the fall needed to take place, as we mentioned earlier. So the idea of of Mormonism, the hope is to become as God is. In fact, they have a little couplet uh, that uh, Lorenzo Snow, the fifth president of the church, came up with. And Joseph Smith in 1840 said this is doctrine. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. And the idea that God got exalted. And don't you want to be like God? Because he wants his children to have the same things that he has. He's not going to withhold. And so while you will never become God as God. Uh, is right now you will be on you're following in his footsteps it's kind of like being on an escalator and his god is ahead of him and his god is ahead of him and his god is ahead of him and there's god the father and he's riding up and he's progressing and then behind you are the children or behind him is the children and uh and so you will hopefully be able to continue the legacy that heavenly father started for you by having you as a spirit child and then letting you come to this world and the hope is that uh, as God is today, man may become. So exaltation as don't fool yourself when the Latter-day Saint talks about I'm saved by grace. It's after all I can do is a part of that. And uh, one uh, BYU professor, former BYU professor, Stephen Robinson said, Jesus, um, uh, Jesus uh, paid. How did it go? <laughs> uh, Jesus uh, um you do your best. Oh, oh, here's how it goes. You, you do your best. Jesus does the rest. Hmm. So what? G what? Basically, he, you gave a parable of a little girl who had about seventy-five cents in coins and laid it on the counter for a bike, and, and then uh, she says, "I'd like to have that bike over there." Well, obviously, he had his credit card behind her. She gave everything that she earned, all of her, you know, savings. She put it out on that that uh, display to give to the, the owner of the bike, but she gets the bike because there's the credit card. That's not, you mentioned uh, the song, uh, Jesus paid it all. In Mormonism, Jesus doesn't pay it all. He pays it some, and mm -hmm. some to him you, owe, him you owe, but you owe that some, even if it's 75 cents. I'm gonna tell you right now, Albert, you can't even come up with a penny yeah. of what your debt is all about. Right. All have That's sinned. Right and fall short of the glory of God. That's not a partial, it's a complete depravity. You, you, you have nothing good to offer on your own unless somehow Jesus can come in and cleanse you of that sin and make it as far as the East is from the West. That's yeah. the only way uh, grace is so much different than it is in Mormonism where you have to make that payment. And then if somehow you're able to, now you have, earned the ability to be able to progress into exaltation or eternal life that is anathema that's another gospel as paul talks about in galatians 1 8 9. so uh mormonism or the religion of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints is known as a as an american sort of homegrown religion and it does with this idea of D DIY, do it yourself. There, it, it 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 affords the opportunity for members to feel like they they're they're making progress. They they they're accomplishing something mm -hmm. uh, as they as they obey the various requirements of of the uh, church and as they uh, they actually get a little card that tells them they're worthy to go to the temple uh, and and they can they can kind of. Uh, grasp on they can kind of ratchet themselves on or grab a hold of what's going on and feel like they um, can make progress yeah 
And and there's a I, I want to say there's probably a pretty good feeling that 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 comes with that as opposed to just the helplessness of saying I am completely dependent upon what Jesus did for me at the cross. That's not very American. That's very right. I'm just helpless is what that is. Um, that's a really good point because Latter-day Saints like to be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, as the yeah. proverbial saying goes. Yeah. And you'll see this in Utah. Uh, it's hard sometimes to give something to somebody here yeah, who's Latter-day Saint because they feel like they're, mm -hmm. they, they owe you something now. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, even even at Christmas, if we go around and we sometimes we'll give uh, these little gifts to even people who don't normally give to us. And they're Latter-day Saints. I can tell you the next day they're going to have something on our doorstep as well. You know, just that's, there's this mentality <laughs> yeah. that that nothing comes for free and yeah. I don't want to owe you anything. And yeah. so if, if you're going to help me with my yard, I certainly am going to help you with yours. That kind of mentality and, it, you know, very good work ethic. You know, the yeah. the state insect of Utah is a bee, the honeybee, because mm -hmm. industrious and hardworking Deseret, that's where that term comes from. Uh, and so they're hardworking people and there's nothing wrong with being a hardworking person. But if you think that there's anything you're doing to affect salvation, even in 75 cents of a $100 bike, that is not grace. That is a wage. That's earning. And Paul very clearly said it's not based on earnings uh, on wages. It's based on a complete gift. Well, with that excellent and succinct and careful proclamation and enunciation of the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Bible, as was presented to us by Eric Johnson. We'll stop here, and we'll come back in the next segment, part three, and we'll finish up talking about redemption, we'll talk about glorification, and we'll talk about the interaction between New Testament believers and members of the, Jesus, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you. This has been Transition to Hope with your host, Dr. Albert Spaulding. We care deeply about folks who are experiencing a faith crisis or who are trying to help a friend or fellow ward member sort through their shelf of questions. We want to be a positive and helpful resource for you. If you'd like to talk through your doubts, questions, or concerns in a safe and non-threatening dialogue, please reach out to us at our contact page at www.transitiontohope.org. You can also find show notes for today's podcast and other helpful information at our website. And if you'd care to donate to Transition to Hope, you can do so at the Donate button. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating. Meanwhile, we won't try to do your thinking for you, but we'd love to stand with you and be a resource for you as you seek coherent answers to life's big questions. Most of all, we care deeply about your faith journey. We want to help you transition to hope.